0: You know, throughout our lives, we are accustomed to getting invitations to various events. Birthday parties, wedding anniversaries, retirement parties, wedding showers, baby showers, on and on and on the list could go. And sometimes we get invitations to things we really are looking forward to going to. And sometimes we get invitations to things that we would just as soon have a root canal as have to go to. Things we don't look forward to. And some of those things we get invitations to that we don't look forward to going to, we find some way to excuse ourselves. And then sometimes we just can't get out of it. You know, it's just kind of like weddings. Women enjoy going to weddings. I've never understood why. Because if you ever see a woman at a wedding, she's going to cry at some point before the wedding's over. On the other hand, most men don't want to go to a wedding. Because they feel like they've been to one wedding too many. And so we get these invitations... And then sometimes we're invited to take part in various other types of activities. How many of you at some point or another in your life were given the privilege of participating in Selling Amway? I've got a proposition. I want you all to come over tonight. Oh, what's going on? Oh, we just hadn't seen you in a while, you know, 20 years. We want you to come over. We want to visit with you. You get over there and there's about... 20 other people, and you get the whole full-blown Amway presentation. Or somebody wanting you to participate. After Amway, they they came up with selling vitamins that way. So you could sell vitamins. And all kinds of other different sales ventures of, of that type. You know, I remember several years ago, Norm and I were in the car on our way going somewhere, and my cell phone rang. How this woman got my cell phone, I have no idea who gave it to her. I'm still trying to figure that one out. It was someone that I had not seen, talked to, or heard from, literally, in 20 years. And I answered the phone, How are you doing? This is so-and-so. Whoa, hi, it's nice to hear from you. Well, I was just thinking about you the other day, and and I was wondering if... uh, my husband and I could come and see you and Norm. we got we've got a business proposition for you now folks I'm not the smartest guy in the world but I'm a long way from stupid you don't have to laugh that loud at it but anyway I figured out some way that I didn't want to see this woman because I knew she either had Amway she had vitamins she had something that she wanted to get me involved in and we've all had invitations to those kinds of things at some point in our lives. Someone invites us to participate in all the fun that they're having. Well, in our text this morning, we have a man receiving an invitation. I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 20, chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Raguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. We are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. For the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. And he said unto him, I will not go. But I will depart to my own land and my own kindred. And he said, Leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of eyes. That was Moses offering his brother in law Hobab an invitation to go with them on that great enterprise to the promised land. And and most people look at that story and they feel that Moses that that Hobab probably joined Moses immediately on this great enterprise. I don't see the story that way, folks. If you read the text and you read the invitation, Moses said, "Come and go thou with us." And he said, I will not go. He gives him at the very beginning there a very flat refusal. I'm not going to go. And Moses then makes a second, more impassioned, more pressing appeal to Hobab. What his answer was to so that second appeal, we don't know. We're not told. But the, And the story gives us no hint whatsoever to his answer. But... Throughout the rest of the Old Testament story, you never once more hear of Hobab being with Moses at any later point in time. And because of the fact that at the beginning he said, I will not go. I feel that that was his final answer. And he persisted in that original refusal to go with Moses and join with Moses on that great enterprise. Well, if Hobab failed to take part in that great enterprise that Moses invited him to go on, it was not for a lack of opportunity, folks. He was invited. But even though he was invited, it seems as though he treated that invitation with indifference. And yet, if he treated it with indifference, it was not indifference that was born because of the indifference of Moses, his friend and kinsman. Now, when you think about that, in our own day and time, a lot of the indifference we see in our own day and time is just the opposite of that. Oftentimes, the reason our friends and our kinsmen care so little for the things that matter most is because Oftentimes it appears they matter so little to us. Those closest to us sometimes are often unconcerned about their relationship with Jesus. Because sometimes it doesn't really seem that it's that important to us. The reason the world sometimes finds it so easy to ignore the people of God is because oftentimes we exhibit an act, an attitude of indifference ourselves but Moses was committed to this enterprise and Moses was so committed to this enterprise that he was interested enough in his brother-in-law Hobab that he invited him to come along but I want you to notice something Moses Invited Hobab personally. Now I think you know me well enough to know that I believe in issuing an invitation to people in every possible way. I believe in inviting people from the pulpit. I believe in, inv- in inviting people in the bulletin. I believe in inviting people on Facebook. I believe in inviting people in the mail. If you're foolish enough to let me have your cell phone number, you're going to get text messages from me. I just believe in contacting people by every available means, every available opportunity that possibly they can. But the most effective and compelling invitation that anyone can ever get is that personal invitation. That invitation where I take or you take the time to personally extend an invitation to someone. The men that Jesus surrounded Himself with, Peter, Andrew, James, John, those men that Jesus surrounded Himself with, almost all of them were one to Jesus, one at a time. One by one. I am a firm believer in every form of evangelism that has the possibility of inducing men and women to be followers of Jesus Christ. But the most effective method ever discovered is the personal appeal. And that's what Hobab got. Hobab got a personal invitation. Moses said, Hobab, come and journey to the land the Lord has promised us. Come go with us on this journey. Moses was involved in that enterprise. Moses was engaged in that enterprise. And Moses was trying to get his friend, his kinsman, his brother-in-law, Hobab, interested in that. Moses was investing all that he was and all that he had in that great undertaking of going to the land that the Lord had promised him. And the fact that Moses was so involved, that was a strong appeal in that invitation that he gave to to Hobab. Those kinds of invitations always carry weight. And the measure of our power To win other people to Jesus Christ is a measure of the fullness with which we ourselves are possessed by Jesus Christ. Or let me put it another way, a way that's probably a little more familiar to you hearing it. The measure of our power to win others to Jesus Christ... Involves whether or not Jesus is Lord and Master of all of our lives. If Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of our life, all of our life, folks, other people are going to see that. And seeing that, when we say, come and join us on this journey, come and join us on our enterprise, it's going to carry more weight this invitation that Moses gave to Hobab, it was given soberly and sincerely. We don't win people to Jesus being half-hearted. We don't win people to anything else by being half-hearted. It is that earnest, serious individual that grips us. It is a heart that's on fire, that kindles a flame, that starts a fire in the hearts of others. To be sure, there is something fascinating about a person that has a total commitment. One serious person. One serious individual. An individual wholly committed to Jesus the way Peter was. Peter with all of his lack of training. Peter with the ability to put his foot in his mouth constantly. One serious, earnest, dedicated individual like Peter is worth a dozen of the Nicodemus kind that are too cultured or too refined or too afraid to be enthusiastic about Jesus. You see, folks, when we invite people to come and worship with us, we invite people to come and go on the journey toward the promised land God has given us with us, our appeal needs to include with it just the same that Moses did, and that is the appeal of a promised good. Moses said, we will do you good, he said. Come go with us on our journey to the land the Lord has promised us, and we will do thee good. We can say to people, if we invite them to come and be a part of our fellowship, we will do you good. Come. Learn about Jesus Christ. Learn and come and accept Jesus Christ. Come and accept His terms of pardon. Come and be cleansed of sin. Come and join our fellowship and we'll do you some good. Jesus offered that same kind of invitation to people. He said in John 7 verse 37, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And then in that great invitation in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me or ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're burdened, if you're weary, if you're tired, Jesus says, come to me, and you'll find rest to your soul. Why, Lord, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Over and over and over again, God holds out to those He seeks to win the offer of a sure reward. You see, we can offer to people some things. We can offer people a satisfying Savior. We can offer people Jesus Christ, a Master who can meet the deepest needs of our life, and that's Jesus. We have something that Buddhism doesn't have. We've got something that... We have something that Muslims don't have. We have something Shintoists don't have. We have something no other religion on the footstool of God has. We've got Jesus. We can say, come and join us on this enterprise. We have a satisfying Savior. If you come heart-hungry, we can offer you the bread of life. If you come parched, and suffering a moral drought, we can offer you Jesus, the water of life. If you're in the clutches of sin, we offer you one that can save your soul to the uttermost. One that can wash our sins and make us whiter than snow once more. We offer Jesus. What can He give you? Paul said in Philippians 4, He can give us the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus Christ... Come to Jesus and you can walk away with your heart singing like Moses. Moses offered to Hobab a worthy gold. He said, come and go with us to the land the Lord has promised us and we're going to do you some good, Hobab. We can offer to the world and we can offer to our friends a worthy goal. Moses said, we're journeying to a place. Well, you know what? Just like Moses of old, we're on our way to a land of promise. Jesus told those disciples when He was going away, He said, Don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house or many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and receive you unto Myself. But... The land we're seeking, the land we're journeying to is not just that heavenly home in the sweet by and by when life here is over. We're also seeking to make this world a better place by helping those in need. Our goal, our objective, our ambition is the complete, total Triumph of Jesus Christ. And we can offer an invigorating and a refreshing fellowship. We really can. Moses said, Come and go with us, and we'll do thee good. Now, you know what Hobab might have said? He could have said, Moses, <laughs> I've seen those Israelites. You've got a peevish, cantankerous crowd there. And you know what? If Hobab had said the Israelites were a peevish, cantankerous crowd, he would have been speaking the truth. But with all of their faults, they were the hope of the world. So Moses might have said, yes, they're peevish, yes, they're cantankerous, yes, they are faulty, but they're going to make history someday. He might have even said, let me introduce you to a couple of guys that you won't find cantankerous and and cranky. A couple of guys that you won't find to be peevish. And he could have maybe introduced them to Caleb and Joshua. Those two spies that went to the promised land and came back and said, oh, we can take it in the power of God. We can take that promised land. Those were optimistic guys. Those were ready to go on a journey and do great things for God. To those outside the body of Christ. To those that are not a part of the family of God, we say, come thou with us and we'll do you good. We've got to make that our appeal. Our appeal has to be, come thou with us. And we'll hear it said, but the church is very faulty. And you know what? I will readily concede that statement. We are. We are Very faulty. I can look in the mirror every morning and see a part of the family of God that's faulty. But by the power of Jesus Christ, He cleanses me every day. And if you and I were perfect, we would feel quite uncomfortable here. Or it might even be like the person that was talking about, well, the church is just so full of people that aren't perfect. If you ever find a perfect church, please don't become a member of it. Because once you do, it's not going to be perfect anymore. And then there's always that old statement, well, you know, yeah, but you know, the church is, is so full of hypocrites. I had a guy tell me that one time, Leon. Actually, more than once. And I have a very standard answer for that. When I ask someone, please come and be a part of our family. Well, there's just too many hypocrites down there. You know what? Oh, come on, there's room for one more. Yes, we are a faulty group of people. Yes, we have our flaws. We have our imperfections. We all have our warts. But you know what? With all of my warts, with all my faults, with all my imperfections, Jesus Christ loves me. And He died for me. And He loves you. And He died for you. And we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So I'm not ashamed. To say to people, come with us on the journey and we will do thee good. None of us should ever be ashamed to offer that same invitation to our friends and our kinsmen. If the church is not what it ought to be, folks don't help it by standing aloof from it. If the church is not what it ought to be, folks don't help it by criticizing and throwing stones. When they brought that woman to Jesus that had been caught in adultery, Jesus said, Let the one that's without sin among you cast the first stone. To those that say, Well, the church just didn't what it ought to be, it's just not doing what it ought to do. To those folks. I would say, if we're not what we ought to be, and if we're not doing what we ought to do, then come help us do better and show us what we need to do. But don't sit back and criticize and junk rocks. Come help us do better. Well, what was Hobab's response to that invitation? He didn't get angry at Moses. He didn't tell Moses, leave me alone and mind your own business. He didn't set himself to the task of organizing an opposition group to oppose Moses' journey to the promised land. He was in no sense whatsoever antagonistic toward Moses. It was rather like so many in our own day and time. By his refusal to accept the invitation Moses gave him, He settled for second best when he might have had the very best. He failed to reach the heights that were within his reach. I want my friends, my neighbors, and my kinsmen to come to Jesus. But for that to happen, they have to be invited. And that's what we've got to do. It's through the power of Jesus Christ that each of us reaches our potential as an individual. And it's through the power of Jesus Christ we'll reach our potential as a church. It's through the power of Jesus Christ we soar to the heights and we climb the mountains. But before we can bring others on the journey, We've got to make sure that Jesus is Lord and Master of our lives. Wait for it. Not just part of your life. But all of your life. And when Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of all of our lives. Then we can. By our life. Bring others on the journey with us. I don't know what's going on. Maybe you've. Never made Christ the Lord and Master of your life for the very first time. Or maybe you once times did that and haven't lived His kind of life. I don't know what needs you have. I don't know what's going on. But if there are changes that you need to make, changes we can help you with, this is the opportunity to let that be made known as together we stand and while we sing.